0: (laughs) Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa salat wa salaam wa ala ashrahil ambiya iw almur saleen wa ala alihi wa sabihi ajmaenam bah, fa'adu billahimina shaitan rajim mismillahi Rahman Iraheem Innama Yaksha Allah minna iba dihilu alama Sadakullah na Ali naween. My dear respected and most honourable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, as salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. First of all I humbly request some of the brothers who are scattered towards the sides and towards the back, if they could kindly uh, stand up and and step forward. Don't be afraid of of coming to the foremost Saf. I've stated this before the Prophet said that if you truly understood of the reward and the benefits of standing in the front Saf, you would fight with one another in order to attain that reward. So unless you have as some of our elders do, some back problems that you need to lean up against the wall. And I know some of you young brothers, Alhamdulillah, don't have that issue as of yet. So please do come forward and create that aura of congregation. You know, this is, this is why we're here. This is the purpose of the Jum'ah prayer, that you come and congregate together that once a week. When you can listen to the khutbah, be inspired uh, and ultimately uh, engage in, in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger, sallallahu And we pray that Allah will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future, inshaAllah ta'ala. In the verse that I read before you in the khutbah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about His servants, He talks about his noble servants. He talks about those individuals who have gained knowledge, even if it be a little. Because the Mufassireen, the exegetes of the Qur'an, they have stated that ulama in this verse doesn't only refer to those individuals who have gained superior Islamic knowledge that has given them fadila, a superiority over the people. This refers to any individual who has gained some knowledge for the sake of Allah and for the sake of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Quran, ma Allah. It is only those, only those who have knowledge among His servants that fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has correlated two things together here. Seeking of knowledge those who possess the knowledge, and the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here, even when we talk about the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and somebody says ittaqillah, fear Allah, the word taqwa doesn't mean just to fear, it means to be in awe of, to be inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So you're only ever going to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order for you to be inspired by Him and fear His wrath, be inspired by His mercy and be fearful of His punishment if you truly understand Him. Only if you know Him. And the only way that you're going to know Him is how? You're going to have to seek knowledge. You're going to have to understand your religion. You're going to have to understand why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you. What's the purpose behind your existence? What's the reason for you being here? And that's a million dollar question, isn't it? People go throughout their lives whether they be Muslims or non-Muslims, and they have that one question, what's the purpose of my existence? Why Why am I here? Why has that divine being, if there is a divine being at all, some question? Why has He created me? What have I done to warrant that creation? There must be a reason that I'm here, I must be fulfilling, I must be a cog in this divine universal machine. And people have those questions, and ultimately, As Muslims, restate that Islam answers those questions. We believe wholeheartedly that the Prophet answers those questions. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala answers those questions for us in the Quran when He tells us, and I have not created jinn and mankind except that they worship, worship who worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, the commentators of the Qur'an states, إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ here. liyabudūn the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala necessitates knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِلَّا لِيَعْلَمُونَ That you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the purpose of our existence. That's why there's those ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hadith Qudsi where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, That I was a treasure, but I was unknown and I desired to be known. That's the purpose behind the creation. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to be known. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted us to know Him, to recognize Him, to, to recognize His divinity. Recognize His superiority. And recognize ultimately the fact that you've been created to worship Him. And that's the purpose behind our existence, in a nutshell. But it goes so much further than that. When we talk about knowledge, we're not just talking about opening up a few books, or once a week opening up the Qur'an, and reading a surah from it, or trying to understand it. It goes so much beyond that. We're not just talking about the dururiyaat. We're not just talking about the necessities of faith for you to know. The fiqh that you must know. The salah that you must read. It goes so much more than that. Because knowledge inspires you. What knowledge does, it burns a flame. It lights a flame inside of your heart. That flame is to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That flame encourages you to fall in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to fall in love with the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And ultimately, it makes you a better human being. That's what knowledge does. Knowledge makes you better. Nobody can ever say to you that knowledge is ever going to make you worse than you were before. Nobody is going to say to you or it's ludicrous for you to imagine someone saying that if you seek knowledge, if you go to school, you're going to become worse than you were before. No, you're ever going to improve. No two days of a Muslim should be the same, the Prophet sallallahu told us. No two days. No two days should pass by where you haven't sought knowledge, where you haven't learned something new that second day that you didn't know in the first. So, ever increasing, ever increasing your knowledge. This is why even the prophets would make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rabbi zidni ilma, oh Allah, increase me in knowledge. Those noble, chosen individuals who had been granted knowledge directly from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yet, they kept asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for more Why? Because they understood the significance of it They understood the importance of knowledge They understood why they were created What's the purpose behind their creation? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us You know, when when you want something good for your children When you desire good for your children You want the best for them. There's no father or mother, there's no parent on this planet that I can perceive of, that I can possibly even fathom, who would think that they don't want the best for their children. They want the worst for them. Nobody wants... That's the maternal and paternal instinct that you have, that that is inbuilt within you, to want the best for your child. That's why when your child is born, it becomes the most precious thing to you, the most precious commodity that you have. You're willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of your child. You're willing to lay down your life to preserve the life of your child. And ultimately, we want the best future for our children. Everybody wants the best. You know, if you have the choice between two schools, I'm going to give you an example. If you have a choice between two schools to send your child to, even if it's primary school, you know primary education. There's, beyond, there's, the, there's education beyond that. There's secondary education. There's college education. There's university education. It, it keeps on going. But even something as as primary, as primary education, you have the choice between two schools. You're going to do your research. You're going to say, let's find out which one's the best. Now, what school has the best facilities that can cater? For my child, nobody is knowingly going to choose the worst of the two schools. Nobody is going to do that by choice. You're always going to want the best for your children. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala desires the best for us also, because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, in many khutbas and in many talks and speeches and lectures we have heard, how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala loves us and how much Allah Subhanahu wa Taala cares for us, and how compassionate and merciful he is towards us. He wants the best for us also. In a hadith reported by Sayyidina Muawiyah ibn Abi Sufyan that has been recorded by both Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim in their respective books, which makes his hadith muttafaq agreed upon by both the two Imams. So there is no doubt with regards to the authenticity of this narration. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Tells the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam tells us: "May Yuridillahu bihi khairi, yufqih fi al-Din." Whomsoever Allah subhanahu wa taala intends good for or desires good for, when Allah subhanahu wa taala desires good for you, when Allah subhanahu wa taala wants the best for you, you fi He gives you the fiqh of deen, of religion, and fiqh literally means understanding. He gives you or grants you the understanding of religion. And then Allah Subhanahu the Prophet goes on to tell us that not only does he, he give us the fiqh, the understanding of religion He tells us, it doesn't come easy, it comes with a warning And knowledge doesn't come easy Knowledge is not going to be handed over to you That's why we have institutions That's why we have universities we have places of learning and they've always, forever existed, places of learning, people that we sit with to gain knowledge from, it doesn't come by yourself, you can't think, oh I'm going to sit at home, reclining on my sofa, there's a hadith, there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that talks about those individuals who sit reclining, expecting Allah subhanahu wa Taala to give them and grant them whatever they need. That's not going to happen. That's not tawakkul. That's a false sense of tawakkul. That's not reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tawakkul means that you tie your camel like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told us. A man came to Masjidul Nabawi and he, he, he left his camel outside without tying it down. and it was, a, it was only natural to tie down the camel so the camel doesn't wander away. And then you're looking for it afterwards. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Tie it down. And he said, Shall I, have tawakk- Shall I tie it down or should I have tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Should I tie it down and keep it safe or should I have tawakkul and reliance upon Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will keep my camel here as long as I can complete my prayers and I come outside, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ensure that my camel is here. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, No. Tie it down and then have tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do your due diligence. right? Carry out what you're supposed to do. You tie it down, then you go inside. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of it. Then have tawakkul that He will ensure that it is there upon your return. That's having tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So knowledge is something that you're going to seek. And you're going to have to strive to seek it. al-'ilmu It comes with striving to seek it. Working hard to seek it. That's why people spend thousands, thousands of pounds, hundreds of thousands of pounds upon their education or on the education of their children. That's why people do that. Because they want them to get the best. They want for them what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires is the best for them. And Islam, Islam tells us that from the very beginning. 1400 years ago, When the European world, the so-called modern world now, was then in the Dark Ages. They're known as the Dark Ages, the Dark Period. And the Dark Ages is, is known due to ignorance, that they don't know much about them, that's why they refer to it as the Dark Ages. We don't have enough knowledge coming out from those centuries. We have no inventions coming from those centuries. People were suffering from from severe lack of knowledge, from extreme ignorance. That's when the Prophet ﷺ was sent. That's when the Prophet ﷺ came with the light of guidance. And it's evident from the very first verses of the Qur'an that were revealed to the Prophet ﷺ what's the purpose behind his message. Ikra. Read. Bismi khalaq. In the name of your Lord who created you. خَلَقَ الْإِنسَانَ مِنْ عَلَقٍ Who created man, insan, from a clot of blood. Ikra. Read. Your Lord is most generous. Who, who taught by the pen. بِالْقَلَمُ All of this comes down to what? Knowledge. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is give, giving knowledge to the Prophet and inspiring him to inspire others to seek that knowledge. Allah al insana min alaq. Who created man from a clot of blood? What was alaq? Alaq wasn't even known at the time. People didn't know what it was. The Quran told us what that clot of blood was and how that clot of blood develops into a fetus, how that fetus develops into a baby, how then that baby is born. The Quran told us that 1400 years ago. But it's unfortunate that we've left those teachings behind. Most of our inventions. You know the recently that uh, that that short documentary of a hundred inventions or thousands of inventions of who of Muslims Muslim inventions or Islamic inventions. The Muslim and I've stated this in, in a khutbah, Muslim contributions to the world, insha'Allah, I'm going to repeat that khutbah once again. How how Islam has defined the world that we live in today. But it's unfortunate that when we look at the Muslim contributions to the world, they end about 500 years ago. There have been very few contributions since then. We're we're going back to to those days that the Prophet came to. We're going back into the days of ignorance. This is why the Prophet told us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't take away knowledge by taking away your books. Because a thousand years ago when Baghdad, the centre of learning at the time, in the world, not just in the Islamic world, in the world, people from all over the world who heard or knew about Baghdad, wanted to go there and to study. When it was ransacked, when the Mongols ransacked Baghdad, and they burnt down its libraries, Nowadays, you can burn down a library, but the books will still remain, right? Because there's so many copies of them. There's so many editions of those books. They can still be revived, that knowledge won't be lost. But at that time, when there were only manuscripts in those libraries, the one copy of those books, and they were burnt down, those books were burnt. But people still recovered because they had a desire, a deep desire, to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A deep desire to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they went about recreating that and improving upon it. In fact, after the ransacking of Baghdad, most of the Muslim invention, inventions, most of the Muslim scientists and astronomers and biologists and chemists came out after the ransacking of Baghdad. Most of the major significant contributions came, came about after. Why? Because they'd realized they've lost something. And they've got to do whatever it takes to get that back. That desire has been lost now. This is why the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He doesn't take away knowledge by the taking away of books and everything else. That knowledge that you may have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away knowledge by taking away your ulama. And who are the ulama? <laughs> those individuals who have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who have the deep desire <coughs> excuse me, to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will be taken away. And that's what you're witnessing today. That the ulama are being taken away. And unfortunately, we're left with those about whom the Prophet sallallahu alayhi has warned us against. مَنْ تَلَبْ الْعِلْمَ لِيُمَارِيَ بِهِ الْبِالسُّهْفَحَىٰ أَوْ لِيُبَاهِيَ Yasrifa الْعُلَمَاءِ أَوْ لِيَصْرِفَ وَجُوهَ النَّاسِ إِلَيْهِ فَهُوَ فِي النَّارِ The Prophet ﷺ stated that he who seeks knowledge to argue with the foolish people to debate with the scholars أَوْ لِيَصْرِفَ وَجُوهَ النَّاسِ إِلَيْهِ or to turn the attention of the people towards him look at me what a great scholar I am how much knowledge I have how important and how significant I am. Look at me. And that's self-explanatory. And that person is in the fire. Because the sincerity has been lost. People didn't seek knowledge 1,000 years ago, 1,400 years ago. Those Muslims, those ones who made fantastic contributions to this world. They didn't seek knowledge for material gain. They didn't seek knowledge so that people can look at them and remember them. Al-Ghazali, the great theologian, the great scientist, was unknown in his time. When Ghazali passed away, that's when Ghazali became Ghazali. Because people discovered his books, they discovered his works. Yet that never stopped him, did it? Did he ever think to himself, well I'm not getting the recognition that I deserve. So I should just stop writing, I should stop... You know, making all of these contributions because there's no point, is there? Nobody recognizes them. Nobody realizes them. Nobody gives me the credit for them. But no, he continued to persevere. <laughs> Knowledge only comes to you if you strive to seek it, if you work hard. Work hard. Nothing is going to come to you easy, nothing is going to be handed to you on a plate. You can have as much money as you want. You can be the richest man in the world, yet, you can have all the private tutors that you know money can buy but yet it won't make a difference if you're not sincere, if ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't place that burning desire in your heart to learn, to be knowledgeable, to know. If Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala doesn't grant you that recognition of Him and His divinity, then you can have as many private tut- tutors, you can have as much money, but it won't make a difference. You still won't learn. You can have all the access. And nowadays, you know, why is it that we look at those contributions made in the past when people had, uh, you know, less tools, alat. The alat weren't there for them. The tools weren't there for them. You no know, people wanted to learn. They would go down and sit with scholars, sit with those whom Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has inspired. That that physical connection that goes back to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and his companions, you know, and, and the ashab Sufa suffa who, who sat in the masjid of the Prophet Sallallahu who, who always was striving to gain knowledge. That tradition that goes back fourteen hundred years. People understood that and they would sit with those individuals who would gain knowledge with ajab, with respect. You know, you can't gain you know knowledge and respect for that knowledge and where it comes from go hand in hand. Nowadays you see classrooms and you see schools where people have where students have absolutely no desire to learn and that desire is, that lack of desire is reflected in their attitude that they don't care about their teachers they have absolutely no respect for them none whatsoever throwing chairs around, swearing, screaming, shouting don't want to learn and ultimately they're not going to because that's not the way forward That's not the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to inspire you and I. Knowledge comes through adab, through honor and respect. When you respect where that knowledge is coming from, when you respect the knowledge, the, 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 the items that contain that knowledge, only then are you going to be inspired, you know, look at the likes of the Sahaba, the companions of the Prophet You know They were the best of people, Khairun Nas, the Prophet calls them. That was the best of times. And the companions of the Prophet, they wouldn't just look at knowledge haphazardly. Oh, well, we have the Prophet we don't need to seek knowledge. we got the tool right here we got everything right here, we've got, we got all the knowledge that we could possibly need in the Prophet ﷺ. We don't need to seek any more. We don't need the answers, we got somebody who's got the answers. No, the likes of Sayyidina Umar spent 18 years studying. And after 18 years of studying, he says, Alhamdulillah, I have now completed Surah Al-Baqarah. After 18 years, now I've mastered Surah baqarah Whereas, we have people who, within 18 days, could learn Surah Al-Baqarah with its translation by heart. Yet, Sayyidina Umar spent 18 years just studying Surah Al-Baqarah and said, now I understand it. Because it's it's not a process that starts at the age of five, and then ends at 21, once you finish university, and then that's it, you go into employment, you never seek knowledge again. No two days of a Muslim should be the same. You have to ever improve. Nobody becomes a master at the age of 21, a master of whatever science, whatever field they're in, that just doesn't happen. You're going to have to keep studying. Look at the like of the great scientists and theologians of the past, look at Einstein. You know, Einstein is known as one of those individuals who, when we talk about intellectual prowess, we look no further than the likes of Einstein, Albert Einstein. And did Albert Einstein finish his studies at the age of 21 and then become known as Albert Einstein? No. Albert Einstein became Albert Einstein in his old age. When people realized his accomplishments, that he continued to study, he continued to persevere. And there were many failures down the road, many failures, before he was successful in his theories. In exactly the same way the great Muslim theologians and the great Muslim scientists and chemists and biologists of the past They had many failures, but they continued to persevere because they understood that hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, Wa al'ilmu bit ta'allum, That knowledge only comes by, by striving to seek it This is your lost treasure The Prophet ﷺ told us in a hadith reported by Sayyidina Abu Huayyar al al Hikmatu al Mu'min That the wise word is the lost treasure of a believer. Wajadaha, and wherever he should find that wise word, then he, is, he has the most right to it. He is the most entitled to it. Belief is Iman comes from knowledge. Iman comes from the application of that knowledge and it's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to instill uh, those sentiments inside our children. That appreciation for knowledge we have to instill within them. You can't expect to send your children to madrasa in order for them to learn how to read the Quran, having not learned how to read the Quran yourself. You understand? That's just not going to happen. The children are not going to be inspired. How are you going to interact with them? You have to take that initiative yourself. And it's never too late. It's never too late. A companion came to the Prophet wasallam, And the Prophet wasallam looked at him and said to him, And listen to this very carefully. The Prophet wasallam said to them, That you've only got a few moments to live. A few hours, and Malakul al is going to come to take your soul away. And he was perfectly healthy. He thought to himself, you know, I'm fine, there's nothing wrong with me. If it was you and I, we'd go into a state of panic. I've only got a few hours, what am I going to do? I need to write my will, I need to do this, I need to say goodbye to all my loved ones. What shall I do? I've not got the time. That's when we truly appreciate time when it's taken away from us. Right? So he said to the Prophet ﷺ, Tell me, what is there that I can do? You know, worship, stay in sajda. What can I do in order to find salvation? What can I do? What's the best thing that I can do right now? The Prophet ﷺ didn't say to him, You know, go and... Spend your time in salawat, go and pray Go and cry to Allah and beg Him to forgive your sins Go and do this, go and do They're all great things to do And we should be doing more of them But that's not the advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave to this man The Prophet ﷺ said, go and seek knowledge For the last few moments that you have left Go and seek knowledge Angels will spread their wings underneath your feet The fish in the sea will make dua for you You seek out a path to knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up a path for you to Jannah. You want Jannah? Go and seek knowledge. That's what knowledge is. That's how important it is. Its importance can never ever be understated. And don't think, well, I'm just talking about Islamic knowledge here. And what is Islamic knowledge? Is Islamic knowledge just knowledge of the Quran? and the Ahadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam No, it goes so much beyond that The Quran has scientific knowledge, biological information Knowledge of physics and chemistry and astronomy within it Knowledge of science within it There's knowledge that you have to seek as a community In order for you to progress As a community, you need doctors, you need engineers You need all of those individuals, the the professionals, to carry out their jobs in order for you to progress as a community, in order for you to thrive as a community. You need people to fulfill those positions. My last message to you, and and there's many things that we can say. My last thing that I'm going to say to you is, is, is for your children. Because we have children here, and this is specifically for the parents. Right? You have children, you want the best for them, just like Allah SWT wants the best for you and I. By granting us the fiqh of, of deen, granting us the, the understanding of religion. You want the best for your children. You should want the best for all of your children. If you have sons, and you have daughters, and you want your sons, when people say, you know, you know this son of mine he's going to be a great lawyer, this son of mine is going to be a great engineer, he's going to be a great doctor. This son of mine is going to become half of the Qur'an. This son of mine is going to be an alim, he's going to be an imam, he's going to be a teacher, he's going to be a mudarris. And it's always about sons, sons, sons. And the daughters are neglected. What about your daughters? Oh, we don't have any answers to those questions. We don't, what, what, are, what, are, what are our daughters going to do? They're going to go to school and after they finish school, and you know, they'll get married and go into their homes. Without understanding that the mother, the mother is the first school for the child. The mother is the first teacher of that child. You know, I, I, there are some great, fantastic stories of, of, of mothers. You know, mothers create men. Imam Malik, the great Imam of Medina, who was his first teacher? Umm Malik, his mother. His mother instilled those values inside him, and ultimately those values are what count. So you need to educate your daughters also. Don't neglect them. Don't think that, you know, they should just sit at home and not be exposed to that information and that breath and that wealth of knowledge that is out there. Don't do that. That is cultural, that's not your deen. Your religion doesn't tell you to do that. The two greatest institutions in the world Islamic institutions, the two oldest universities in the world are built on the backs of women. The Karawien University in, in Morocco. Who, who built it? Who funded it? Fatima al-Fihriya. Ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon her. Fatima al-Fihriya. The other university, Al-Azhar, named after who? The daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Sayyida Fatimah al-Zahra. Women. Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu taala anha. Look, don't look beyond her. She was a teacher of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu People came to her and sought knowledge from her. She would give religious edicts. Religious fatwas were given by Sayyidina Aisha And throughout our uh, educational Islamic history, when you look at the achievements, and you have some fantastic women there, who have thrived in every single field. Every single field. So don't deprive your daughters today. This is why the Prophet said, those who raise up two daughters. And that raising up means, how how do you raise up your children? The Prophet has given, given us the answer to that as well. You know, the best thing that you can give to your child is a good name and good manners. Good manners stems from a good education. When you raise up your two daughters and grant them a good education, and they get married off into good homes, they become successful in their lives, me and that person, the Prophet ﷺ said, will be like this on Yawmul Qiyamah. Signifying the proximity between Allah, uh, the Prophet ﷺ and that individual. So don't neglect them. Don't downplay their achievement. Inspire them. And you can only inspire them if you yourselves are inspired. If you're not inspired, then they never will be. They never will be. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me and you the tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran and the blessed sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam